Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. What is going on, Blake Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Angel, here with another edition of FN Sports Podcast, which is great sports, biggest issues, and we have our regular start of the week show coming to you on a Tuesday after a interesting Sunday night recap of winning time. If you want to go check that out, go check the catalog. You can go back and look at what we think about winning time here and where we think the show is going. I have some predictions for season two and three after looking at what actually happens with Lakers and looking how the first season went down. But for today's show, we got an NBA-themed thesis for the NBA playoffs. But first, let's get to some gold stars and detentions. First gold star is going to go to Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic on his back-to-back NBA MVP awards. Now, I would like to pat myself on the back for saying I called this one, but I have to say it felt relatively obvious to me, even it wasn't that obvious to Twitter. So, on a layperson stats, Jokic had the first ever 2,000-1,500 season ever. He's the first person to average 25, 13, and 6 in the season ever. Worth pointing out, he's actually averaging more than that. It's 27, 14, and 8. He's the first player in top 10 of points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, and field goal percentage in the last 50 seasons. And that's all not even saying, like, did you watch the guy play? He's dazzling with the basketball. He's a point center that's really revolutionized how we evaluate position and the game. He's obviously a good three-point shooter, but he's really a point guard because of the way he begins, initiates, and creates offense from the perimeter at seven foot. But if you put a perimeter guy on him, he can throw you back to the block, put his back to the basket, and go to work. I also thought they was going to win the MVP, and I gave it to him because he led the league in win shares for 48 minutes. Uh, we're pointing out that Giannis Antetokounmpo was right behind him at .281 win shares for 48 minutes, but Nikola Jokic had .296. That's a considerable difference when you see that like Giannis was about the same difference above Gobert, but then Gobert at 3 all the way down to like Joel Embiid at 5 was really kind of all in the same window, and then Butler at 6 all the way down to really like DeAndre Ayton at like 10th was kind of also in the same window where like Carl Anthony Towns, Kevin Durant right there behind. Like the gaps are very, very small. And so for Jokic to be that far above in first there, I think certainly had to help his case because when shares 48 minutes means that statistically in this metric they've got where they weigh a bunch of things all back and forth, they're calculating how did you impact your team winning basketball games. And so the higher the number there, the more wins you impacted on the season so obviously being the highest in that is significant when looking at something like the MVP we did a whole podcast about why the MVP was not going to be DeMar DeRozan back around the all-star break and you can check the catalog for that as well 
a little bit friendlier analytic if people are trying to figure out what could be going on here because not everyone got to watch the mountain time zone basketball games where that's the sun or the nuggets or the high and the low there but for whatever the case a more traditional analytic that people might understand better is per player efficiency rating which kind of is just a large espn made up statistic but it looks at relatively saying the higher the better because positives are up here league averages are down there and so if yours is above a 15 you're above league average and he had the highest one of those in the history of the nba since they've been collecting data on this and went back to the modern era of when the leagues merged and he has the highest ever league average is supposed to be 15 that's what the statistic is supposed to indicate so the average basketball players to be around 15 he's at 32.8 Right? That is incredible. Uh, worthy, worthy, worthy MVP. And so hats off to Nikola Jokic on a great second consecutive MVP award. Second gold star is going to go to Kathy Engelbert first because of a great opening weekend in the WNBA. The Aces have already knocked off the Mercury and the Storm and look very, very impressive. I want to stress a couple things. First of all, Asia Wilson is must-watch tv so make sure you go check that out but also new coach in town for vegas becky hammond so make sure you go watch what she's bringing from her time sitting next to greg popovich to the w i have to say it's been a fun fun start to the season even if my dallas wings came up a little short against atlanta over the weekend i i would say that after the first weekend of play what stuck out to me mostly was that the sparks are back and i don't know if the league is quite ready for the sparks being back i think it's probably good for the league as a whole if the sparks are back if i'm going to put on my analysis hat and say like how does it get more eyes on the games the sparks being in la and being a big market and having so much access to espn right there and all of those kinds of things i could see that being really good for the league but the sparks looked good obviously they played the fever and the sky and the sky had to make a, i mean the sky did win the championship last year they did make some auxiliary changes around the roster they got a same strong core Candace Parker is a year older Sloot is a year older but I think that that ancillary pieces may have led to a seven point win for the Sparks in overtime uh, Sparks look good and so I would say Sparks look good Aces look good that's a fun rivalry that's frankly just like four hours apart so that could lead to a fun fun season this summer good opening weekend to w but the other half of this goal started goes to engelbert not just because she's the commissioner in the league wants so well to open up but because she very publicly monday said that the wnba may be open for expansion and we'll do more in-depth on this later but i'd like to see the houston comets come back i think there's a way to do it with the people, power to the people, and bring the comments back to Houston. You have built-in history, built-in marketing, built-in tradition, and frankly, you still have the most championships both in the city of Houston and the most championships in WNBA history without having played a game since 2008. RIP to the original Houston Comets, but let's bring this thing back. Engelbert saying that they were open to expansion. She didn't mention cities, but I have to feel like Houston's on the short list of places to come back to. Obviously, you could also go back to a handful of other cities that lost their teams due to the recession, but man, Houston and the tradition and the love for basketball and the stadiums being already built, it feels like we just need to get a Fertitte on the phone. Can we get a Fertitte on the phone? Yeah? No? No Fertitte? No. Well, let's shoot him a DM. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> First, attention is going to go to Martin Brundle, who's, I guess, technically an F1 reporter, and people may give me a hard time for giving this guy a hard time, but at the end of the day, he walked up to Duke superstar, potential Houston Rocket, and perennial top three, if not higher, draft pick in this summer's NBA draft, Paolo Banquero, and asked him questions and referred to him as Patrick Mahomes. Now, I guess a young Mahomes might have had a similar style of haircut, but 
Mahomes is six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds, and Bancaro is six foot ten, listed at two hundred and fifty plus pounds, depending on the listing you're reading. And I have to say, that half a foot I think makes a big difference, even if you're looking at these guys from the back and just seeing the like somewhat similar hair, again somewhat similar, not that similar, but somewhat similar hair from the back, the size feels noticeably different. The other thing I'll point out is if you look at these guys in the face, I don't know that I see that many similarities outside of the relatively kind of close, almost, nah, it's not really quite the same hair. I don't understand how you make this mistake. I understand that Brundle is an F1 reporter. I understand that it sounds like he's caught a lot of heat from a lot of different corners on this already. And I think the main thing in this is that Bancaro was mostly joking about on social media after the fact. So maybe it's not the biggest deal. Maybe it's no harm, no foul. But you probably need to know who you're talking to if you're a reporter, especially if you think you're talking about, or with, I should say, a transcendent young football player like Patrick Mahomes or a soon-to-be draft pick like Paolo. So I'm giving big attention here just to make sure you do your research even the slightest bit to have some idea who you're talking to. Second detention kind of gets us almost into the thesis. We're giving a detention to Clutch Points the social media service in which you go on social media and see all these are videos and clips and they're kind of engagement Twitter. They're farming out engagement by doing a lot of different videos and things that kind of go viral. I see Clutch Points, the CP logo a lot across Instagram and Twitter, but Clutch Points after the John Morant injury at the end of the Warriors and Grizzlies game, which we'll get more into in a minute, Clutch Points in a video saying, no, 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 the injury didn't happen in the video where it was very clear that John Morant was not the same after with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter. The injury must have happened at this other clip where he closes out on a three-point shot on Clay Thompson and kind of rolls his ankle as he comes down, to which I have to point out that that rolled ankle was near the beginning of the third quarter, and he played more than a quarter of the basketball game after that. Now, I guess that he does take a break to start the fourth. He gets the Kobe sit and whatever and all those kinds of minutes, but it just doesn't feel accurate to say that that's when he really must have gotten hurt on this completely accidental play and not this time where he kind of got his body yanked around a little bit a few minutes or I should say nearly a quarter and a half later. That just doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. And the unfortunate thing is that the video's since been cropped where you can't see the time below it. People are really running with it because, frankly, if you don't see the time below it, the Warriors are shooting on their second half basket. That means John Morant is defending on his second half basket. And so you don't, if you don't see the time necessarily know without having watched the game, what time of the game that happened in. So it's kind of being used in a very deceiving manner, giving big attention to clutch points for that. Because frankly, there's no indicator besides that John Morant walks off a somewhat rolled ankle, that that was the moment he got hurt at all, especially when we're talking knee injuries. So detention to clutch points for trying to persuade or use misinformation or something, we're going to give attention out for that for sure. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But 
you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the Beard Struggle. The Beard Struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it helps <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. All right, so as we mentioned in the detentions segment, John Morant did leave the end of the Warriors-Grizzlies game over the weekend with what looked like a bit of a knee injury. Uh, I have to point out that John Morant's athleticism is such a big part of his game. A knee injury feels like fairly detrimental to the way the guy plays basketball, but I digress. Shortly after the game, there was a play that started circulating all over Twitter where everyone is pointing to it looks like that's the moment that John Morant got hurt, and there is a tugging to say i don't know how violent what's the rate of violent pulls pushes a tugging of john morant's knee by jordan Poole with a small push in his lower back and which the back and forth different directions clearly is what kind of twists the knee a little bit the wrong way now the violence of the tweak i guess depends on if you live in the bay area or memphis or somewhere in between but i will say that that does appear to be the play that john morant does not seem quite the same after as of the recording of this podcast, which is Monday night before the games tip off, Jordan Poole has not been punished by the league retroactively. It's worth pointing out that it was just kind of a hard play during the game. Jordan Poole did not get tossed or flagrant fouled or whatever. John Moran just came up limping. And so, as we sit here, it would have taken some sort of a retroactive action to have him face any sort of punishment, and he has not as of the time we sit here recording this. And so, the thesis reads... Jordan Poole should have faced some sort of punishment from the NBA for the play where John Morant was injured. I hear that, and I'm going to go B-. minus. I think that kind of puts me in the minority here. So let's break this down. All right, so part of the reason I pushed this thesis to Monday night and did the winning time thing as the fan Friday on a Friday that went on a Monday instead of doing both on a Monday or something like that or some sort of an inverse was because I did want to give the NBA a chance to see what happened here because very well could have recorded something on Sunday night about how he should get in trouble and then Monday we find out that he does get in trouble because that tends to be the way the NBA works on these things. But... That's not what happened. Instead, looking at Jordan Poole getting to play, and again, as of the moment recording this, Bleacher Report is reporting that John Morant is likely out for Game 4, which is pretty important considering the Grizzlies find themselves down 2-1 to one, with Game 4 being in the Bay Area. Now, with that said, I, I got to point out, like the Grizzlies played very, very well this year without John Morant on the floor. There was even this like somewhat conspiracy theory where, like, do the Grizzlies play better without him because of their winning percentage without him on the floor? Now, I don't think I'd ever go that far, but I will say that it makes a much, much more challenging team to defend in the sense that you don't know where it's coming from. Like, you don't know if it's going to be Triple J, if it's going to be Desmond Bain, if it's going to be Dylan Brooks, etc. And so the unknown aspect makes it harder to prepare as a defense and also like in a playoff series where you've game planned certain things the Warriors have watched 48 hours of film on how to get past that now but I I have to say that that's probably not something that necessarily did a whole lot of preparation 
four. That said, I don't imagine the Grizzlies could win the series without John Morant, even if they do somehow pull off game four, which you'll know by the time you're hearing this. I don't know at the time recording this, so that is going to sound really dumb or really smart. But I digress. So anyway, the John Morant is going to likely sit out game four because of this play, and I feel like that in itself, based on NBA precedent, should actually unfortunately lead to a suspension for Jordan Poole. Now, my reasoning for that is because I think that once you set these kinds of precedents in the NBA, you then need to follow through with them, right? You had Jokic earlier in the season, early, early in the season, shove the Morris brother in Miami in the back. That gets him tossed. Once the injury is known, Jokic does get suspended. And I think it's worth pointing out that that injury seemed fairly serious. The whiplash type of injury that Morris sustained took him out for a lot of the season. Jokic gets suspended after the injury becomes known. Right? You have the same kind of thing with the scuffle between Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James. Like, obviously, fights are going to lead to suspensions, but Stewart did suffer some fairly like noticeable head cuts and injuries, and it was a bad, bad look. The visual there leads to him getting suspended. You had Grayson Allen get suspended for taking out Alex Caruso in the air because Caruso got injured, so therefore Grayson Allen has to get suspended. You had Campazzo get suspended after a shove in the back that it looked like dinged up Wayne Ellington at the time. Wayne Ellington ended up actually not being as badly hurt as it initially looked, but Campazzo shoved him in the back and then had to sit out the first game of the first round of the playoffs. And then obviously in this series itself, you had Dylan Brooks get suspended for that game three after a hard foul that led to Gary Payton the second's injury of his elbow. And I feel like they've set this precedent where after the fact, they're going to go back and say, well, that guy got hurt, so now we're suspending someone else for a game. And I don't necessarily agree with that. That's why this is not an A+. I don't think that that's actually how we ought to hand out suspensions. But I do think that if you're going to hand out suspensions for that throughout the year... That's kind of how you got to do it here, too. If you're going to do that, even in like earlier in this exact same playoff series, if you're handing out suspensions based on the results, you're playing the results, then you can't stop playing the results here because Jordan Poole is an important, fun, and young, and exciting part of the Warriors, or whatever the case may be, or however unintentional the act may have looked. If you're going after this thing where like this guy's playing physical, it leads to an injury, and now we're going to suspend somebody, that's what happened here. Jordan Poole is playing physical, trying to get the ball, trying to steal the ball. They are trying to rough up John Morant. They're not trying to declead him or take him out of the air or whatever, but they are trying to rough him up, and that leads to him getting hurt. And to me, that's a lot like the Grayson Allen play. That's a lot like the Dylan Brooks play. That's a lot like the uh, you know other types of plays that guys get hurt on. I'd argue that if you were going to suspend those guys you should probably also do it for the kinds of plays even if the guy doesn't get hurt if they'd done that for things like draymond green if they'd done that for the, uh, draymond green for if you're not if you listen to this and have not seen the series draymond green took out memphis's brandon clark in the first game and got tossed made a big show of it it's kind of funny but also kind of like what are you doing that for draymond anyway he pulled brandon clark down by his jersey while the guy was shooting a layup and the guy could have gotten hurt when he hit the ground he did not get hurt brandon clark was fine played off and actually the warriors end up winning that game there's all kinds of articles out there think pieces about how that really helped them focus in and blah blah blah, blah, blah and those kinds of things that may be the case but i think really ends up happening here is that draymond doesn't get suspended because brandon clark doesn't get hurt even if memphis thought it was a horribly dirty play and I think a lot of America was like, what are you doing there, Draymond? You grabbed a guy with that jersey while he was in mid-flight and pulled him to the ground by his face. It's not a suspension because no one got hurt. Whereas Dylan Brooks goes up and pops 
Gary Payton the second across the back of the head on a layup, and that's a flagrant two. He's going to get tossed, etc. But in preparing for his fall, bracing for his fall, trying to protect himself in a very instinctive manner, Gary Payton the second breaks his own elbow and is now going to be out for a number of weeks. And if the Warriors continue to play, it's not even sure if he'll be back this postseason. Gary Payton the second is also a very important player that seems very, very large. So Brooks does get suspended because the guy he hit got hurt well to me if that's the precedent and the draymond green play is not dirty enough to get suspended because no one got hurt but the dylan brooks play is dirty enough to get suspended because someone did get hurt while both of those plays are more violent than what jordan Poole did in this instance it did lead to a guy getting hurt and i think that that's what's really really important here is if you're going to continue with this then we have to continue with this we can't just like let it go and be bygones oh no everything's gonna be different different case by case because this is an nba that cannot live like that after the history of the league as it's been this is a league that had tim donahue in the early 2000s pulled out by the feds because he was connected to organized crime and was helping fix games in a way that he argued didn't actually affect the outcome because you're just calling out more fouls because they're going to the overs and unders and whatnot but this is the same league that had that happening in it. There's all kinds of other conspiracy theories about like the iced envelope that led to the Patrick Ewing draft or the Chris Paul trade getting vetoed or did Jordan actually go play baseball or was he suspended for gambling but the league couldn't admit that kind of a thing. That's a whole fun conspiracy theory, frankly. There's all kinds of other things about like Scott Foster and modern refing and some guys that just cannot win a game that Scott Foster is refing. Also shout out to Chris Paul, weird connection there. One of my favorite lesser discussed ones is that Nike helps orchestrate Durant to the Warriors around the same time that Nike gets the official jersey partnership with the league because they're trying to slow down stuff in Under Armour. And if you think that's just a bunch of hogwash, I would point out that Under Armour's down like 14 points in the second quarter. Or I guess, what are we in now? Second quarter? We're wrapping up the second? Under Armour's down big time in the stock market relative to other big sporting brands in the United States. And maybe just maybe that really did have an impact or maybe it's just another big thing of hogwash the warriors themselves get tied up in this right when you look at the suspension of draymond green in game five of the 2016 nba finals of course it's the famous finals where the cleveland Cavaliers come back from down 3-1 people often forget that draymond green has to miss one of those comeback games and that kind of gets things rolling for the Cavs. i will say that like Draymond Green really did build up that many flagrant slash technical fouls along the way and so on and so forth. And so that suspension seems legit. I guess whether or not you could have rescinded one, if you look back at all of them, that might be a little bit different. But I will say it's probably did behoove the NBA to not have a sweep in those NBA finals. And so this feels like a moment where that might have been in their best interest, even if it wouldn't necessarily have the Cavs win, but just did not have a sweep. Speaking of LeBron and winning finals, it actually might have also, it being the conspiracy theories of the NBA, I should say, should clarify, might have actually hurt him back in 20, I believe it was 14, when San Antonio shut off the AC in the Southwestern Bell Center, uh, and LeBron cramped up, and they lost the game, and eventually would go on to lose the NBA Finals. Um, there's multiple other draft, lottery, nincompoops. Um, there's all kinds of other things about the NBA that feel somewhat rigged, and some of those are really funny, some of those seem relatively serious, some seem more possible than others, but all that is to say that while that has been the entire background of the nba there's always one of those kind of stories every couple years if not every year it feels like you got that going on you also got adam silver being one of the most vocal commissioners in american pro sports about getting gambling involved 
those two things really, really, really don't go together. And if you're going to have all of those things happening together, you can't have things that are subjective, like whether or not you can suspend a guy for this foul versus that foul over this guy getting hurt versus that guy getting hurt, when that's going to have such a direct impact on the games. Either leading to an injury means that, oh, every time someone gets hurt because of a somewhat physical play, the guy that made the physical play has to get suspended a game or whatever. I don't know that that's necessarily the route to go. I wouldn't have suspended Brooks. It was a normal, hard playoff foul. The kind of thing that, like, guys from the 90s, like, oh, we love 90s basketball. Like, that thing in Dylan Brooks would have been a no, like, no sneezing at it in the 1980s and 90s. But I digress. If we're going to do that every time someone gets hurt, then this is a time that someone got hurt, and we need to go back and do that. We can't allow subjectivity to keep us from doing that. Or, bluntly, if we're going to be subjective, we probably need to push the brakes on the gambling thing because that's how you get more Tim Donahue's Cotton Scott Fosters in the NBA. So, eh, I don't know which way we're going to go there. What I really think I want here is more objectivity in the way suspensions are handed out. The subjectivity in not just the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, Major League Soccer, frankly, even from FIFA and FIBA and so on, the way that those kinds of things get handed out across the board there feels icky and problematic. And I think that's where I sit with Jordan's Pool's non-suspension is that it's too subjective. I don't necessarily think inherently that he should have been, but the precedent they've set is that he should have been, and letting him off the hook feels icky in a way I'm not ready for the NBA to go down because it feels like a dangerous path for the NBA to go down as they're about to bring in these gambling dollars, and I do think those things go together. All right, friends, do you think I'm a quack, or do you think that Jordan Poole should be suspended? Let me know. Find me on Twitter at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Instagram and Twitter. Tell me what you think about Jordan Poole. I feel like I'm actually in a minority on this one, that he should have gotten suspended. I feel like my precedent argument makes some sense, but I also feel like people are going to come at me on Twitter and tell me that I'm wrong. So make sure you find me at P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. This show is also on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we're at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. And on Twitter, we're at F N sports too. It's F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S number two, all one word on Twitter. And both of those social media handles, you can go to the link tree in the bio. From the link tree, you're to go to all of our sponsors. That's my bookie. That is the beard struggle that is yeti all the kinds of things that help make the show great so make sure you go support people to support the show also make sure you go check out the merch store we have a different t-shirt or hoodie or mug each month that supports various charitable causes so go help out support a great cause and support the show this month for als awareness month we're selling lou gehrig themed shirts that are flunking als they have nice little navy and white pinstripes like a certain lou gehrig uniform so make sure you go check that out again all proceeds go to the als association so make sure you buy a great shirt support a cause support the show speaking of supporting the show you can download rate subscribe review do it on a couple different platforms all the wonderful things to help with the podcast and whatever you do when it comes to sports don't plug with us later guys
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.